Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page in federalbaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports page on the line. After the Nationals' 9-5 win over the Milwaukee Brewers, they take two of three, improve to 62 and 61 on the year. The fact that they're still hovering above 500 makes me angry. But Jordan Zimmerman on the mound today, Dave, snapped a six-start uh, winless streak last time out in spite of giving up nine hits, three home runs, six runs total in Coors Field. One and three in seven second half starts with a 401 ERA, 406 FIP, 238, 281, 416 line against, and 42 and two thirds into the break. Gave up nine hits, six earned runs uh, in three and a third versus Milwaukee in June when he visited Miller Park in his home state. But he put up a 193 ERA in his last 32 and two thirds innings pitch in DC. He's down two nothing early today though. Left a 2-1 slider up for Jonathan Lucroy who hit it out in the Redport seat. Scooter Jeanette worked the count full, homer to right in the fifth, five to three at that point. A two-out double knocked him out later in the game, but he was nine to four at that point. Not necessarily a particularly sharp Jordan Zimmerman here, but the Nationals' offense did more than enough that it didn't really have to be either. Yeah, it's a good thing for that high high-flying uh, Nats offense to bail Jordan Zimmerman out of uh, not a particularly good start today. <laughs> that's, not something, um, that's not something we've heard. No. Um, you know, Jordan's had his ups and downs here of late um, and wasn't particularly sharp. I gave up a bunch of base hits. Uh, um, you mentioned a couple walks of the home run right off the bat to, to put the Nats down, and obviously um, I, I'm sure he gave everybody in Nats part of the park a chill. Um, but I mean, he pitched, he pitched well enough to, 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 you know, to win, I guess. Um, that, that's what they say anyway, when you give up a bunch of earned runs and still win. So, um, so good for Jordan to get another notch on the, uh, in the win column and, and, and earn a little bit more money come Arbit, uh, come uh, free agent time. But, um, but yeah, no, Jordan wasn't particularly sharp, but, um, fortunately enough, uh, the Nets were able to do enough against the, what you, <laughs> used to be Matt Garza. Um, and and have a little bit more cushion for him. Two home runs today off of Zimmerman, though. That's 17 and 160 innings pitched this year. He gave up 13 total in 199 and two-thirds last season. Seems to be a lot of hanging uh, sliders and breaking balls that he's giving up most of them. I haven't broken down the stats and looked at it, but it doesn't seem to be getting beat on his fastball too much. just seems to hang one of those sliders every once in a while or leave a curve up, and that was the case today. Both of them got absolutely crushed, too. Right, and, and as we've talked about before on the show, with him particularly, but with most of the Nats staff, um, they throw a lot of strikes. So um, there's a difference between command and control. Command is the ability to throw strikes. Control is the ability to throw strikes where you want them. And um, and if he's throwing strikes but not throwing them where he wants them, um, like you said, a hanging curveball or a hanging slider is still in the strike zone, and, and they're going to punish it. So, um you know, it's one of those things where um, sometimes throwing a pitch off the plate is better than throwing a direct strike. So uh, it just, uh, you know, he's given up a few home runs this year. Uh, that's being called wild in the strike zone. And, um, you know, it's, it's he's, just, he's just a notch below what he was last year for the Nationals. And it's going to be fascinating to see um, just what kind of paycheck he can command on the open market this year. Yeah, I'm still looking at the Cubs to go out and get him, but we'll see what happens. They've spent a lot of money on pitching in the last few years. Uh, uh, you mentioned the pitcher that formerly was Matt Garza on the mound. I just 
I don't know. I haven't watched enough of him to say what's going on, but I used to really like him as a pitcher and didn't like what I saw out there today. 6-13 and 13 on the year before today, a 4.98 ERA, 4.82 FIP, 3.05 walks per nine, a 2.79, 3.37, 4.54 line against, and 135 and two-third before the series finale. 0-3 oh, and, and seven career starts versus the Nationals with a 6.27 ERA, 3.05, 3.59, 4.54 line against, and 33 and 33 innings pitched. A leadoff double by Worth in the first, a two-out RBI double by Zim, cut their lead in half to two to one, then a two-out rally in the third. Rendon walked with two down. Harper doubled, uh, opposite field double, just beat the shift by punching one through the left side. Garza pitched around Ryan Zimmerman to get to Ian Desmond, who hit a chopper off the plate and up over the mound. Garza, who's a notoriously bad fielder, bluffed, muffed that one, too, and gave up a run there. Then a three-run double by SB, who just missed a grand slam, five to two at that point. Ramos hit another home run off of him uh, later in the game to put it up 6-3. And then Anthony Rendon, a three-run homer off the bullpen, 9-3 to at that point. Garza's aligned is ugly on the day, four and two-thirds, eight hits, seven earned runs, six walks, which is just ridiculous. Seven Ks, one home run allowed on the night. Just really rough outing for Mr. Garza in D.C., where he's never pitched particularly well. No, Matt Garza carried my uh, fantasy squad to a championship one year, but that was many years ago, and um, time has a way of catching up with everybody. And I think uh, I think Garza has bounced around enough now that uh, um, you know the, 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 his best years are certainly behind him. And, um, and not a good start today. You mentioned all the walks, and uh, even against a uh, um, a sporadically hitting Nats lineup, you, you walk that many guys, it's going to be problematic. But um, you know Zimmerman with the you know with, with a big hit. Um, obviously Rendon with, with a really nice day, and, and it looks like the last couple of days um, he's kind of found something after he had a, a couple of days off. So um, it, it's certainly good to see Anthony Rendon swinging the bat, and um, you know Daniel Espinosa just continues to uh, contribute at the plate when he's given the opportunity to. So um, you know it, 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 we, we've been awfully negative on this show for uh, for the past couple of weeks, but. Um, you know, when the Nats hit like they did today, um, it's easy to think that, hey, you know, maybe they're not out of it. I mean, if the, if the Mets, um, who are just bound to slump at some point, um, lose three in a row, um, you know, maybe the Nats can get it to, to two games, three games, um, and then head-to-head take care of business and uh, and beat the Mets and, and, and take the division that way. But, um, you know, like I said, when the Nats are hitting today, Jason Worth got on base. Um, Anthony Rendon starting to come around. Uh, Ian Desmond has been one of the team's better hitters since the All-Star break. Uh, you know, it, it gives the Nats fan hope, uh, you know, that, that, they, that they'll end up uh, catching the Mets once the Mets um, inevitably have some sort of losing streak, which obviously they haven't done since the All-Star break. Yeah, you, you mentioned Wilson Ramos, the good signs today, going up all day. He singled the right field earlier in the game. That home run was to right center, just showed off a lot of power and really watched that one again. But I enjoy when Wilson Ramos watches his home runs, which is something I don't enjoy with most of the other players in the league. But he he Cadillacs with the best of them. Rendon with a three-run home run. He hit a 95-mile-an-hour 2-2 fastball from Corey Knabel out to left field again to make it 9-3, second home run in two days. And these are two guys that could really make a difference if they start heating up, and they seem to be so far. Rendon looks really good at the plate in the last two days. Small sample size alert, I know, but seeing him come around and seeing Ramos hitting the ball opposite field, both definitely good signs for the Nationals. 
Well, as much as the Nats have invested in, in Anthony Rendon, uh, we have to take uh, you know have to take it where we can get it, and um, you know the small sample size be damned. Um, really nice to see that he turned around the fastball today. I mean, that's the um, you know that's the type of thing. Where if you're worried about a guy at the plate, um, you know, hitting mistakes is one thing, but driving a fastball is another. So that was really good to see. Um, Wilson Ramos, um, you know, really. Uh, an enigma this season. I mean, everybody's, you know, has always said, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, you know, this guy's going to hit 20 home runs and provide, you know, close to, to full glove defense behind the plate. And that just hasn't been the case this year. And he's been healthy, um, unproductive. He's always had a, a high ground ball rate to go with the home runs that he hit, uh, which is something of an anomaly. But this year the ground ball rate is even higher. The home runs haven't been coming. So nice to see him uh, get a hold of one today. We keep – um, you know, like we did with Desmond early in the season, we keep grasping, um, you know, at any, any glimpse of hope that this guy's going to come out of um, what now has been a season-long slump. So um, good to see him connect on one today. Hopefully it's something to build on. Jason Worth, you mentioned at the top of the lineup, one for three, two walks, two runs scored, two Ks today. There was almost a mini brawl broke out today in our comment section when someone suggested that uh, as soon as Denard's fans coming back, Michael Taylor is most likely going to end up on the bench with Worth, Span, and uh, Harper going around the outfield on most days. They were appalled at the idea that Michael, Michael Taylor would be taken out of the lineup at this point after what he's done in the last couple of days and all season. What do you think Matt Williams is thinking going into this? Does he want to ride a hot hand with uh, Michael Taylor? Is Jason Worth heating up enough to justify him going out there? Is this just a situation where they're going to play the veteran hand and go with the track record over Michael Taylor when and if? I keep on having to say that, but I want to see Denard's fan back on the field before I start really thinking about this. But what do you think Matt Williams is going to have to do going forward in this last month? Well, that's Plus. the point, right, it, it, that, that Span has to be on the field and he has to be able to play, you know, three, four, five days in a row. Um, if that's not the case, then this is a moot point. Then then Taylor plays center field one day, he plays left field the next day, giving those guys a day off, and everybody plays two days out of three. Um, I really think that's going to end up being the case regardless of when Span comes back, whether, um, you know, whether he's feeling 100% or not. And, and this is where – you know, the Nats are. I mean, you know, they, they didn't offer Span, um, you know, a contract extension beyond this year, so he's a free agent at the end of the year. Unfortunately, the business of the game says, you know, the Nats only owe that guy so much. If if he's not one of the eight best position players um, going, um, then Matt Williams doesn't necessarily need to use him because they have to, um, you know, they have to be fielding what they think is their best team every day. If Span is healthy, he obviously is one of the Nats' best eight hitters and needs to be in the lineup. Um, so that means you, you get creative with, with, with Taylor. You give you, know, you, know, you give Span every third day off. You give Jason Worth every third day off. You get everybody two games and three. If Span is completely healthy um, and he can play five, six, seven games in a row, then you've got a different story. But I really don't think that's going to be the case down the stretch. Yeah, I have a feeling every one of these guys can use some days off and there'll be enough time for Michael Taylor, but as I mentioned, a few people were appalled at the idea that he wouldn't continue starting the rest of the way. And I think if everyone's healthy, as we mentioned yet again, that it is a big if. I think you're going to see the expected every day outfield every day there. And at the beginning of the season, it's hard to remember at this point, but Michael Taylor was, you know, possibly starting at AAA at best the fourth outfielder with the Nationals. So the way he's played and what he's been able to do definitely been a big boon for the Nationals, but not necessarily what they planned on going in. And 
uh, I have two negative things here on the end of my list, and I hate ending shows that way, but we're going to go into them anyway. Nationals bring Drew Storen on to get some work in the eighth inning. First pitch he throws to Chris Davis, ends up going out to left center field for a home run. I looked up the numbers. Uh, five of his last six appearances, he's given up runs, not just runs, 11 earned runs and five and two-thirds. That's a 17.47 ERA after he gave up seven earned runs and 41 in the third before this uh, last stretch of rough outings here. He pitched a few good innings before, or I mean, after Jonathan Papelbon was acquired, so I don't know that there's necessarily a direct correlation between him getting moved out of the closer spot and struggling in these recent games, but whatever's causing it, he hasn't looked particularly sharp out there. He did come back and strike out the side after the home run, but that's after he gave up a home run. Luckily, it wasn't a close game. That just made it 9-5 to five at that point. Storm is broken. <laughs> I'd hate to think so, but it doesn't look sharp out there. No, um, he hasn't looked sharp. Um, and it's, I mean, the home run aside, I mean, he struck out the next three guys. So that was, you know, pretty sharp looking. But um, but overall, uh, you mentioned that the first couple of appearances after Papa Bon came, he was pretty good. But since then, he's just been terrible as a 14-something ERA, like you said, with a test to. Um, I don't know what it is with Drew. I mean, you know, you hate to think that he's one of these guys that can only get up to be a quality pitcher when he's put in a position of um, of being the closer or, uh, you know, of, a, of an ultimate, you know, uh, threat. I mean, he gives up the home run today, and then he buckled down and struck three guys out. So it, it's really tough to see him struggle so hard outside of the closer role. I mean, if, you know, obviously every Nats fan remembers, you know, two years ago, he get, gets sent back down and goes to the minors and has to um, prove himself again that he can, you know, get his head on straight and, and be a contributing member of this team. It's just, it, it's tough to see him struggle so bad. Um, you know, high leverage situations, low leverage situations, um, the Nats really haven't had, had that many safe opportunities um, since the also or since the trading deadline anyway. So, um, you know, to see him, you know, to see the Nats bullpen the way that they went with Thornton in the seventh, Thornton or Jansen in the seventh, Storm in the eighth, Papelbon in the ninth, we really haven't seen that. Um, and the overall benefits to the bullpen that, that Mike Rizzo thought we were, that he was going to see really hasn't come about. And it's uh, it, it's tough to take if you're a Drew Storm fan, it's tough to take if you're a Nats fan to see that the dysfunction continues in the bullpen, uh, regardless of the only move that they made at the trade deadline was to trade for a closer. I heard an interesting bit of audio on MLB Network Radio uh, this morning. Jim Bowden and Jim Duquette, both former GMs, talking about being baffled by the way Trey Turner is being used since he's been called up. Uh, Bowden, Bowden went so far as to speculate that Mike Rizzo wanted him up and maybe uh, Matt Williams wasn't particularly thrilled about adding him to the roster, and this is a result of the way he's being used right now as a result of that disagreement. Uh, yes, obviously not citing any sources on that information and didn't claim that it was actually the truth, but just speculating on that. But we both talked earlier about how it's kind of odd to just bring him up and use him in pinch hitting and pinch running situations. But so far he's been used as a defensive replacement and a pinch hitter and haven't seen him get a start yet. Matt Williams said when he came up that he could possibly get some spot starts here and there, but bringing him up and kind of having him sit on the bench seems like an odd decision thus far. Well, you know, I'm going to say something that probably a lot of Nats fans aren't, aren't, aren't going to agree with, and I'm sure um, on your uh, um, on your message threads, on your uh, your feed threads there on, on Federal Baseball, 
uh, I'm sure people would take me to task and are just willing to, to get the chance to do that. But, um, you know, I'm not of the opinion that Trey Turner has to play every day in this situation. I, I'm not of the opinion that, um, you know, that the Trey Turner needs to keep getting at bats. Um, there's one week, literally one week left in the minor league season. So, um, you know, that he's on the bench now as opposed to being in Syracuse playing, I don't really care. That doesn't that doesn't bother me whatsoever. If Mike Rizzo thought that Trey Turner was the best person to, to, to call up to take Tyler Moore's roster spot, then you know you know why not? Um, so if somebody can go to Syracuse's roster and list me a better player to take that spot. They, the, Syracuse doesn't have an outfielder that's worth putting on the major league roster right now. Matt Decker um, has been worse in the minor leagues than he was. Um, in the big leagues earlier this year, and he's the only other guy on the 40-man other than Brian Goodwin, and Brian Goodwin's not ready to be on anybody's major league roster and may never at this point. So, um, you know, that Trey Turner is here sitting on the bench as opposed to Matt Dendecker or Tony Gwynn, um, you know, or any one of the other outfielders in, in Syracuse, um, it really doesn't bother me. Um it, the time to bring Trey Turner up for me would have been six weeks ago when Ian Desmond was hitting 140. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. And, and they didn't do that. And Bowden and Ducat mentioned that the injury to Escobar gave them a chance to get him in there. But are you playing him over Desmond? Are you playing him over Rendon? Are you playing him over Danny Espinosa? I don't know if you're doing that at this point. If you want to throw a kid into that situation, either. So interesting topic well, no, of discussion. The answer's... But go ahead. Yeah. The answer to that question is no. He's not going to play over any of those right. guys right now. He's going to be the last pinch hitter or a pinch runner for Zimmerman or Wilson Ramos or Jason Worth if you need one run in the bottom of the eighth or the bottom of the ninth innings. Um, you know, this is this is a guy that's going to get plenty of major league at-bats. Um, right now, though, he, there's no place for the Nets to put it. Next year, there's an open hole at shortstop. He's going to move right into it. Um, you know, if they think he's ready out of spring training. I mean, the Nets have a lot of options. I mean, you know, Escobar, Danny Espinosa could be the opening day shortstop for all we know. Um, Turner's going to have to prove that in spring training that, that he's ready to take that roster spot. But for a guy making his major league debut with one week left in the minor league season, if he's up here to be the fourth pinch hitter or, you know, a pinch runner, you know, in the eighth and ninth innings, big deal to me. I tend to agree, but there's clamoring for him to get up here, and now a lot of disappointment that they're not getting to see him. But I kind of understand Matt Williams' thinking, and uh, right, well, the, fan, the fans <laughs> the fans want to see the shiny new toy, right? I mean, that's 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 <laughs> what that's what the uh, um, you know the, the masses want to see. Oh, you know, here's a guy that hit 340 in in the minors. He must be the next greatest thing to slice bread. The Nets have trouble scoring runs. Why isn't he in the ball game? Um, and I get that. I get that. I wanted to see him six weeks ago too, um, but that didn't happen. But right now, everybody is theoretically healthy. Um, everybody, you know, all the infielders, um, you know, are are doing okay. There's no place to put him. He's here as a pinch runner um, and as a and as an occasional pinch hitter. I'll just note that I always thought the bread slicer was actually the big invention there, and never understood that saying. But Nashville, <laughs> 62 and 61 on the year. After the win today, yeah, tomorrow off, a nice day of relaxation for everybody. And Steven Strasburg against James Shields, that's not going to be an easy matchup, so the Nationals are going to have to start hitting again and see what they can do against the Padres. That's nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page at federalbaseball.com. I'll talk to you Tuesday night, sir. Sounds good. Happy Sunday, everybody. Doghouse says go Nats.